Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. After a four-year hiatus because of a global pandemic, Indigipop X is back on this year. The Indigenous Comic Convention celebrates Native storytelling and representation in comic books, sci-fi, futurisms, technology, and games. At the event, held at the First Americans Museum in Oklahoma City this year, fans have a chance to rub elbows with celebrity guests like Tomo Pennicut from Battlestar Galactica and Roman Zaragoza from CBS's Ghosts. We'll catch up with organizers and guests at Indigipop X right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Tribal leaders are watching the U.S. Supreme Court and bracing for the worst as a law intended to keep Native children with Native families is being challenged. Matt Laszlo reports on the foundational rights leaders, including the Speaker of the Muscogee Nation in Oklahoma, fear the high court may strip away from tribes. Tribes are still reeling from last year's Supreme Court decision that greatly expanded the power state governments have over prosecuting non-Natives who commit crimes in Indian country. That case was Oklahoma v. Castro Huerta, and it still haunts William Lowe. That's the biggest issue right now with us, and yeah, that's, that's something we're concentrating on. Tribal leaders are now bracing for the upcoming court ruling on the Indian Child Welfare Act of 1978. As the court decides whether an act aimed at American Indian and Alaska Native children is actually discriminatory on the basis of race. Very. <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty nervous because, you know, even with the now that the state and, and feds can come onto a res and and you know arrest our folks, that's the with that be, that decision being last time. That's kind of what makes us even more nervous. Yeah. We look at that as our sovereignty, too, and now this hit was really testing it. Mark Mercaro is tribal chair of the Pechanga Band of Indians in Southern California, and he's NCAI's first vice president. Like most Native leaders, he's nervous, though he's hoping the outcry from tribes last year will soften the court to their pleas. And he's hoping Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch, who served as a federal judge in the sprawling Western Tenth Circuit, has more sway with his colleagues this year than he did last. You know, it turns Indian law as we know it upside down, yeah. right? So I know we know collectively that, that uh, Justice Gorsuch knows all about Indian law. I hope that his yeah. voice prevails enough to get a majority decision in our favor. Uh, I'm hopeful, you know, I, but I don't want to be Pollyannish either, you yeah. know? For National Native News, I'm Matt Laszlo in Washington. Lady Gaga, a popular artist, is a strong advocate for mental health. She created the organization called Born This Way Foundation, along with her mother, around 10 years ago, to make a difference in the lives of young people. KNBA's Hannah Bissett has an update on the foundation. Lady Gaga is a famous singer who has a platform that speaks about kindness, anti-bullying, and awareness of mental health struggles. Her platform helped form the Born This Way Foundation, whose mission began with spreading kindness. The foundation created a new advisory board of young people taking on the task of creating mental health resources. All of the board members have different educational and cultural backgrounds. Indigenous youth that's going to see me on there and the mission we're doing, they're going to feel, you know, 
heard and some that sense of hope, right? That was River Ward, who is a member of the Mingwah and First Nation of Eel Ground and works as a prevention and outreach coordinator and is one of the 31 board members. Ward hones in on the importance the board could have on making future changes to help heal generational wounds. We are here to help. We're here to listen. Um, any Indigenous people that might be struggling, that there is support with love and care and uh, understanding, and that our voices will always be heard. The board is a year-long term that is composed of people ages 15 to 24 years old. The board will create resources for communities across the world to utilize and emphasize kindness and understanding around mental health. I'm Hannah Bissett. And I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support from AmeriCorps VISTA, whose members serve to alleviate poverty while earning money for college and gaining professional skills. Rewarding service opportunities can be found at A-M-E-R-I-C-O-R-P-S dot G-O-V slash V-I-S-T-A. Support by Sanofsky Chambers Law, championing tribal sovereignty and Native American rights since 1976, from opioids litigation to treaty rights to tribal self-governance, with offices in Washington, D.C., New Mexico, California, and Alaska. Sanofsky Chambers Law. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. A high-profile, indigenous-focused comic convention returns, in person, in a big way. Indigipop X reemerges as the new First Americans Museum in Oklahoma City after a four-year hiatus due to the pandemic. The slate of events begins tomorrow with indigenous superheroes, cosplayers, artists, and panel discussions on indigenous representation in media and entertainment. In this hour, we'll visit with Indigipop X organizers and participants for a preview of the biggest event in Indigenous comics and pop culture. You're welcome to join our conversation, and we hope you do. Tell us about your favorite Native-themed comic. Who's your favorite Native superhero? Do we need more Native representation in pop culture? If those topics get you fired up, give us a call, Indigenous Comic Con nerds. We're here at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Joining us now from Oklahoma City is Dr. Lee Francis IV. He's a familiar voice here on Native America Calling. He's the CEO and founder of Native Realities. He's the founder of Indigipop X and an unabashed Indigenous nerd. He's Laguna Pueblo. Lee, welcome back to Native America Calling. Hey, thank you so much. It's so great to be back on. This is all wonderful. You bet, Lee. Also joining us from Tulsa, Oklahoma, is Miranda Dew. She's a video game developer. She's Pawnee and Cherokee. Miranda, welcome to NAC as well. Hi, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Also joining us from Oklahoma City is Tom Ferris. He's the manager of the FAM store at the First Americans Museum. He's Oto, Missouri, and Cherokee. Tom, welcome to Native America Calling. Thank you for having me. And also joining us in Oklahoma City is Kristen Gentry. 
She's the Director of Community Engagement and Outreach for Native Realities. She's also an artist, a photographer, a writer, and a curator. She's Choctaw. Kristen, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Glad to be back. Well, Lee, I'd like to begin with you. It's been four years. How does it feel to be back? excited this is such an amazing event and opportunity it you know it the as the legend goes we were three weeks out uh in 2020 from hosting ipx that year and you know we could we could see it was like a storm moving on the horizon right we could see it coming in we started having conversations like we might have to shut this down we might have to we can't go on with this and and, uh, you know, and lo and behold, we did, and we have to call the guests and have to make all the arrangements and cancel everything. And, you know, over the last couple of years, it's, we, you know, we, we kind of talked, it's like people are like, is it going to come back this year? And I was like, I'm not, like, I'm not feeling comfortable because we were hitting these waves and there was, the pandemic was still going on. And so this year is just such a delight. It's, you know, it's my favorite thing. I love promoting, you know, natives in pop culture, and and my selfish side is just to be able to hang out with all these cool indigenous, all of these folks that I admire, that I respect, that I'm in awe of, all get to come to this one location. I feel like it's it's just like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to bring you all to hang out for a weekend. This sounds great. Let's just have a good time <laughs> together. So this is such – I mean it's such an honor to be here at First Americans Museum and all of the amazing folks that are here helping put this together. So I, I couldn't be – I am over the moon, as they say. Well, four years, I imagine just a lot of ideas, a lot of inspiration during that long hiatus that, I mean, how is this event going to be different than, than previous IPX uh, Comic-Cons? I think we're just, I mean, I don't know if it's different per se. I think there's a new energy for it. I mean, we even titled it Reemerge, so it's kind of this awakening, and we're, we're bringing, we're getting the band back together. But even in the meantime, so many Native folks have been doing so much more amazing work. Right. That when we first started this in 2016, you know, uh, there were, there, you know, it was all of these sort of what I want to say, like seedlings popping. Right. There's all these folks that have been doing this work for, for a long time. And then all these new folks that were kind of getting inspired. And now it's been four years. And, and those folks that were just getting inspired are now professionals in their own right. And they've got book covers, you know, for New York Times, and they've got their own comic line, and they've got video games out, and and all of these all of these pieces. So I think for us, this reemergence is is to re-inspire. So I think that's. I mean, if there's anything that's different, I won't say like the programming is very different. The location is is different. We're here in Oklahoma City, but I think that's that spirit, right? I think that's the different part is that we're we're all coming back together, and there's a. There's this this, this beautiful, um, uh, you know, uh, feeling of getting back together, being in person, and having the chance to share uh, and explore and and dream and wonder all together again. That I think is different than the years that we ran it before. Well, tell us about some of these special guests that you have lined up. Oh my goodness, we have just the whole litany of guests. It's so exciting. So I think you mentioned at the beginning, Tamo Penniket from Battlestar Galactica. Uh, we have uh, Ramon Zaragoza from Ghosts. We have Tio Horn, who is a uh, deer woman uh, in Res Dogs, but she's got her own, you know, amazing, you know, like all the productions and things that she's been on, you know, up in First Nations Canada. Uh, and uh, who else do we have? Uh, 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 trying to think, Cara Jade Myers is coming in. Uh, so, you know, doing uh, what is Killers of the Flower Moon, I think that's coming out, right? So, like, uh, Jonathan Joss is an old head that we've had since year one. He's going to be back mm -hmm. in 
in-house. So we've got, you know, our television folks, and then we've got so many amazing artists that are coming in. Miranda Dew is coming in as a tech guest. Danielle Boyer coming in to talk about the amazing robot. She builds all these cool language-based robots. Um, I'm just, I, I am thrilled. I, I, you know, I'm trying to think of everybody off the top of my head, but we have so many folks that cover that whole spectrum of pop culture, film and television, comic books, games, uh, role-playing games, graphic novels, uh, toys, you know, everything that we can kind of think of, um, futurisms. So it's, it's just going to be a great event. I think we've got 20 plus guests that are coming in plus all of our amazing vendors that are going to be here and, you know, all of our patrons and and everybody else that's just going to be having a great fun nerd weekend. It's great to hear that you have this full spectrum. Got Jonathan Joss. I remember him from that movie Christmas in the Clouds back in the day. I mean, that's going back like 20 years, but but he was great in that. So it sounds like a, a great lineup you have. And then there's also going to be some educational workshops. What can you tell us about those? Yeah, absolutely. We have, so working with, uh, with FAM here, uh, you know, they have such a great educational outreach program um, here in and around the area. So we worked with them on, really just offering opportunities for Native youth to be able to come in and experience. It's something that we've done for years. Uh, it's something that we, you know, we did for, you know, since the inception of the, of, of the Comic-Con and now IPX uh, to, you know, especially on Fridays to bring Native kiddos in so that they get the chance to explore and, and, you know, be in awe and wonder and have fun and giggle and, you know, everything else, right? So this, this sense of joy and celebration um, and so our programming really is focused on like, it's, it's kind of like how to's, it's learning opportunities because they do have teachers and instructors and educators to come in and learn more about, say, natives in comic books and representation and, you know, learn about making robots and learn about role playing games and how they can u- be used in a classroom. And, 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 and a lot of the work, especially for this lead in Friday tomorrow is really about just how do we explore those elements how do we bring our communities together and, and how do we inspire, right? So how do we mm-hmm. inspire and, and as we've always said with Native Realities and the work that we do that we've always done is how do we spark the indigenous imagination? Because I think it's really like this whole setup with, the, with IPX has really been about how do we foster that spirit of imagination and wonder and delight and joy because a lot of the stuff that goes on in our communities is is hard it can be difficult you know i mean listening to the lead in around the news there's a lot of stuff that we're having to face and and it's that inspiration it's that hope it's that joy it's that celebration that pulls us through the most difficult times it's being together with each other in community celebrating our nerdiness celebrating technology celebrating <laughs> you know uh, you know superheroes that I think is really important and, and why it's foundational and why we always like to try and do education and working with Native kiddos. Lee, I really like uh, that quote, fostering the spirit of imagination. And, of course, a big part of the Comic-Cons are, are you know, the cosplayers. And if you could, for somebody who's never been to a comic convention, what's that all about? Can you explain a little bit of that whole – because it's, it's really a subculture in many ways. Yeah, well, it's, and it's a huge subculture. So, so, so the whole cosplaying setup is, is, you know, there are folks that make careers out of it because they're super popular with the characters that they put together. Um, you know, really, it's, it's about fandom. And it's, it's, what is it? It's year-round Halloween, right? Like, you get to explore your fandom for something that you, you really love as a nerd. So you've got, you know, cosplayers that are, that are you know, playing from their favorite manga, 
characters or from what is it the you know last of us you're gonna see a lot of last of us cosplay going on uh this year because of the new the new show that came, you know came out so like a lot of it is really just like you get to dress up um and you want to find a way to be able to dress up that is uh unique that is authentic uh that is really detailed and specific that's the most important thing and especially when we think of our cosplay here we want people to be really specific we also want them to be you know respectful in many ways but you know like it's just a chance to really show your fandom and it's you know it's also a really great way for folks to have a chance to to be a part of this you know beautiful subculture because uh, there are so many cosplayers all over the world uh, that like they get the chance to you know infuse their own uh, brilliant cultural elements. So Desba Rose, who's been uh, you know started with us in 2016, does amazing cosplay and infuses her own cultural elements into these you know sort of like Marvel characters, these traditional characters. She does these amazing takes on on them, and I think that's one of the best parts around you know, what we can, what we, what we have going on here. People are going to be, we had somebody the other day, you know, asking a volunteers, like, is it okay if I dress up as a volunteer? We're like, absolutely. You <laughs> okay. should totally dress. Like you should totally cosplay. <laughs> we totally want you here. Cosplayers, artists, panel discussions, superheroes, uh, and Digipop X has it all. And it begins in Oklahoma city this week. And that is our focus on the show today. So if you are an indigener, you're into comics, you're into superheroes, any of that stuff, cool stuff, give us a call. 1-800-996-2848. We're going to talk more with Lee Francis and our other guests, but we do have to take a short break. As native high school basketball players and their fans travel to state championship tournaments and college ball players get closer to their division tournaments, we'll turn our attention to the court and check in with some champion players and coaches. That's on the next Native America Calling. Boujou. If you are 45 years or older, it may be time to talk with a healthcare professional about colon cancer screening. Medicare, Medicaid, and the Marketplace have you covered. For more information, visit healthcare.gov or call 800-318-2596. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about Indigipop X. We know there's a special place in the hearts of Native people for comics, science fiction, pop culture. So tell us what you're into. We're at 1-800-996-2848. We're also at 1-800-99-NATIVE. Lee Francis IV is the founder of Indigipop X. And Lee, right before we went to break, uh, you said something with regard to cosplay and you used the word respect. And I, I do want to move on to our other guests, but before we do that, I want to ask you, Lee, because uh, I think it's pretty obvious. I'm not super familiar with the whole Comic-Con scene, but uh, let me ask, I mean, is there some protocol for people who are coming, who've never been to something like this, they're going to come check it out. What are some do's and don'ts? What do they need to be mindful of? Yeah, for sure. I mean, just remembering that this is a, 
like an, an indigenous family event, right? And so like the whole point is, you know, cosplay can also be, I mean, to be completely honest, can be very revealing, right? There, it's comic book characters. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, showcasing there. I guess that's the, best, <laughs> the most appropriate way to put it, right? That's good so, for public radio, yeah. Exactly right. So we want people to remember that there's, there may be there's aunties and grandmas, you know, and uncles and grandpas and kiddos that are going to be here. So we ask people to be respectful. We also ask people to be culturally respectful. We want people to be authentic to the characters they're representing, but we don't want like people that may be coming as non-native. You don't. We tell this a lot of the times. Like you don't have to make. You don't need makeup. Like you don't need to have to red face. Be the character. The character. It's the costume. It's the outfit. It's the care that you put into that. Right. So we want people to be very aware, uh, you know, that they're, you know, that, that that we want folks to be, you know, understanding, respectful, to be authentic, uh, to be detail oriented, um, to ex- express their fandom, but also recognize that there are some characters in pop culture that some community members, a lot of community members, may not find appropriate uh, or, you know, inviting that may put folks off. So we always ask folks, you know, in any instance. If you have a question or you have a doubt, check with us. Right? You can okay. you can you can hit us up on Facebook. You can hit us up on the emails. Check with us, and we can let you know. That's always what we'd like to say, you know, for anybody, because then we can provide the guidance and let folks, you know, know what would be, you know, most uh, appropriate for being here. Got it. Thank you, Lee. Uh, Let's bring in Miranda Do now. She is a video game developer. Miranda, what part of Indigipop X has you most excited? I'm really excited to see a lot of just my friends that I've met over the years at different conferences. And I I went to uh, Indigipop X a few years ago in New Mexico, so I'm excited to be reunited with people. I'm excited to see everyone dressed up. And I'm, of course, hoping to do a little bit of shopping, support some artists, and buy things for my house. <laughs> <laughs> now, you have a panel planned. Uh, what's the focus? Yeah, the focus is, um, it's a panel called Ready Player One, and the focus is on game development, you know, what it takes to make video games, um, just kind of a look at the the video game industry and indigenous representation in games. Now, that's really fascinating. I I have a child at home that's big into video games. Um, What goes into that, Miranda? I mean, especially these native-themed video games, the characters, the stories, uh, making sure all that's accurate? Yeah, there's a lot that goes into making games. It's definitely an art form that takes a lot of people. Um, It's really fun to, you know, look at different games and see the different team sizes. I've worked on teams where, you know, it's just like three of us making a game. We have a programmer, an artist, designer. Sometimes it's just one person making a game, doing all the jobs. And, you know, I've worked on some really big games where there's thousands of people working on it. So, um, you know, a lot goes into it and, and making like authentic indigenous characters. Um, there's been a lot of games that have done consultations with tribes or uh, have worked with indigenous writers and artists to really get those representations right. That's definitely something we'll be discussing on the panel. Miranda, I imagine there's a huge need for for more people like yourself, native game developers, others involved in the industry. What needs to happen to make that possible? Yeah, I think, you know, first of all, kids need to know that this is a valid career opportunity and, um, you know, start learning, like, what kind of skills they need to 
focus on or go to school for to get the job they want in the games industry. Um, I went to school specifically for game design and um, game production. So um, I think just sharing stories. I We have a, a small collective of game developers that are Indigenous, and it's really cool to hear everyone's stories and share that so that we can inspire kids to pursue um, you know, computer programming and animation, art, um, all sorts of different things that you need to make a game. So um, I'm hoping that, you know, th my panel and other panels at uh, Indigipop inspire kids to really seek some of these, um, some of these interesting and fun careers in the games industry. I hope so too, because like I said, my child, <laughs> she sure likes to play the games. I'm always trying to encourage her to like, think about, well, maybe you'd be interested in designing a game at some point in the future and yeah. just, you know, getting her to think like that. But Miranda, the video game industry has just exploded in the last couple of days. It's now bigger than the motion picture industry. And some of these huge, huge video game titles, I mean, they create billions of dollars in revenue. And I, mean, I got to ask you, I mean, is it a lucrative uh, career for, for a native person who's positioned right in the industry? Um, it definitely can be. It's, I'd say, you know, game developers make a wide range of, income i think it depends on what you're doing if you're making your own game it might be a bit more challenging uh to get the funding to get all the marketing to get people to buy your game if you're working on like a big company um you might land a good a good sweet spot where your game's selling a lot you're making a lot of money it really just varies um on you know the success of the game the size of the game and you know who your audience is so it can definitely be very lucrative i've keep my eye on the stocks and it seems like games are doing all right these days. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They get in trouble with uh, Apple though, if they're not careful, but they're definitely doing well. Miranda do she's in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but tomorrow she's headed to Oklahoma city for Indigipop X. And let's go ahead and take a caller now, Michael from Hamas Pueblo listening on KUNM. Hello, Michael. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. I, uh, I, I turned on uh, and I remember calling and then I thought I heard what it, what was involved here because uh, my son is uh, headed to Oklahoma, but I didn't know that. So I, uh, whenever uh, topics come on with art, uh, Comic-Con and whatnot, I usually uh, QAM him. I call him right away and tell him there's, uh, there's some interesting stuff on the, on the Native River Collins that you might be interested in. And then to my <laughs> my, my amazement, he says, I'm on my way to Oklahoma to the Comic-Con. I said, oh, that's what's on right now on Native America Calling. Yeah, you, you probably pretty know you probably know him. He's a Michael Toya. He's a guy that uh, this is my son that did the Nativo Lodge in Albuquerque, and he has a good big following because he does a lot of artwork with uh, with uh, Star Wars. He's put infused a lot of uh, Pueblo Pueblo style uh, artwork into the Star Wars characters, and he he just. He has all kinds of ideas, and once in a while, I'll I'll throw him some ideas too, because I I was in art law when I in high school with uh, Bob Chavis up in uh, St. Catharines in Santa Fe. Michael, thank you for calling in, and and I know your son well, an extremely talented artist, uh, Mike Toya. In fact, I bought one of those Star Wars T-shirts at the free market just last summer. So, again, that's Michael uh, calling in from Hamas Pueblo Station KUNM. Let's go ahead and pivot now to Tom Ferris, the manager of the FAM store at the First American Museum. Uh, Tom, tell us what into what went into making this event. There's got to be a whole lot of prep and planning involved. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we've been uh, having regular meetings with Lee weekly for the past several months, just planning everything. You know, he's uh, not 
base here in Oklahoma, and, and we are, so we're kind of everything on the ground and um, bringing in all the facilities to make sure we can handle this event. Um, the fortunate thing is they're reemerging right at the time that First Americans Museum opened, and so it's just fortuitous that we are actually here as a venue now to host this event, and we're, we thought it's about time to bring it to Indian Country. How big of a turnout are you expecting? We're crossing our fingers for thousands, and it's looking like it's going to be that way based on ticket sales. We've got um, a little bit of weather, but uh, we're uh, proceeding rain or shine. And tell us about the space. I mean, how does the new museum complement all these different themes and the issues and, you know, some of the different superheroes in the, the cosplays and everything else? Well, if people are unfamiliar with our facility, we're about a year and a half uh, new, actually. We, were, we just opened a year and a half ago. Uh, and our facility really leans into indigenous futurism. We've got a really interesting architectural interpretation of a Wichita grass house. And you've got just this sprawling um, Native American museum that is uh, brand new. And it, from the outside, kind of looks like a spaceship. So I think we're the perfect venue for this event. Um, you know, people can come in and the great thing about it is we have literally taken over every corner of the museum. Um, we've got movies in our theater. We've got a performance space uh, for um, for some musical acts, but also for some demonstrations. We're having a, an indigenous chef come in and do a food demonstration. Um, we've got some great native musicians. Uh, and then we're just excited for all of our vendors and artists to be kind of throughout our facility. And, and yes, I too am definitely going to be doing some shopping. Um, but yeah, we're just excited to uh, bring. Well, I'm excited as a as a uh, my 12 year old native nerd self is so excited for the 44 <laughs> year old self to finally get to celebrate all these things. Tom, you're an artist yourself. How important are events like this for moving conversations and issues about indigenous representation in media entertainment? Well, I think it's incredibly important, and and I think um, beyond just having those conversations, I think what this and, and events like this uh, do for Native people is really kind of show the opportunities that are out there. Uh, I kind of equate it to um, when, you know, Native artists first discover they can have a career, you know, making Native art. This is just the next evolution of that. We're just expanding the art set. We're moving on paintings and our traditional stuff. We're moving into movies and writing and performing. And so this is just the next evolution of Native art. It just makes sense. Let's talk a little bit more about the merchandising, because a lot of people are mentioning artwork, but I also think of, you know, the the action figures and, and posters, uh, toys, other stuff like that. Yes, yeah, so uh, we have a, a number of vendors, and yes, we do have artists that, you know, are creating their own artwork, but um, we have uh, an amazing set of comics um, that are all done by Native artists and writers. Um, we've got some amazing jewelry, beadwork. Um just uh, obviously some games are going to be available. Um, you can buy some records. Uh, we will have um, a print action here, the Southeastern Indian Arts Association. Uh, that's a Southeastern artist group based out of Tahlequah will be here. They're going to be doing a live uh, print pull. So you can come in and see the process of silk screening done, but also take those home. And we've got um, the official con poster is going to be done with that group. So you get this really cool, fresh-pulled silkscreen that is the official poster, and we think that's kind of a cool way to demonstrate the, the craft and also have that 
that item to take home with you. Let me go back to Lee Francis the Fourth for for a moment. Uh, Lee, games, music, cosplayers, posters. I also understand uh, there are going to be some unique offerings with regard to food. What do you have planned? Yeah, so we've got uh, a great thing on our Sunday. Uh, we're bringing in a native chef to do a food demo. So we're really excited. That's one of the things that we started back in 2018 because, you know, cuisine is, you know, it's like it's a food thing, but it has a whole media industry behind it as well, right? Like Native Person won Top Chef, I guess, what, like a year ago, right? Uh, you know, the, the folks that are opening new native restaurants and they're putting out more YouTube content and media content. So there's a lot of this where there's these bridges. It's not just somebody slaving away in a kitchen anymore. These are these are personalities and it is infiltrating our pop culture understandings of what does that mean, right? I mean, think about what Salt Bay, right? Like the whole mm-hmm. thing of like the, the, the sprinkling the salt, right? Well, that that's a, that's essentially a meme. So it's this crossover and then went on to open restaurants. And it's, so it's this crossover of, pop culture with cuisine, you know, if you want to, however anybody wants to frame it, but, you know, that we want to also showcase that native chefs and food offerings are, are a part of that. So on our Sunday event, I think around noon, we're going to be having a native chef demoing their work um, and, you know, getting a chance for folks to sample. When we did that in 2018, a chance for folks to kind of sample and, and uh, you know, and, and meet and greet some of these cool native chef personalities. Sounds great. Tom, uh, special guest panels. What are you super excited about? Uh, well, I'm. I love uh, the the show Ghost. So Ramon Zaragoza, I'm really excited. He's been before. We're happy to have him back. Um, of course, I'm excited to try out uh, Chef Nico um, Albert Williams' food demo. Um, we're going to be screening Prey uh, Saturday night. The, the the Comanche Predator film. We're really excited for that. And it's, it's an amazing film. If you haven't watched it, it's great. But to see it on the big screen is, is amazing. Um, and actually, one of the things that I'm really excited about is something that we've just kind of put together here. Uh, we have a very rabid stickball community around our museum. And so we're having a Friday night uh, glow stickball game. So we've got glow sticks and all kinds of glow-in-the-dark stuff uh, that we're going to be using to have a nighttime uh, glow stick game. So we're uh, excited for that. We're <laughs> trying to figure out how it's all working, but uh, that's part of the fun of this event. Glow stickball. Yeah, that sounds super, super cool. And uh, so, Tom, do you have any idea, like, how far some folks are traveling? I, I imagine there are some people coming from other countries. Uh, as far as I know, we've got people coming from multiple states, uh, both sides of the coast, and I, I do believe we have some international travelers. So we're really excited to open our doors to everyone. We want everyone to come in and celebrate everything that natives are doing in, in contemporary pop culture. Now you mentioned Prey, a screening, but there are, are going to be some other films as well as some animation? Absolutely. I think Lee probably has the lineup for that. All right, Lee, we got to take a break in about a minute, but if you could give us a rundown on, on some of the samplings that are going to be screened. Yeah, so we've got a bunch of uh, cool animation features, including Roy Boney's uh, has a really great uh, new animation feature that he put out. It's, I think, five, ten minutes, and that's one of the ones that we're going to screen, as well as some ones that we've pulled, uh, some great Native animators uh, that are out there in the, in the, you know, in the interwebs first um, that we're going to just be showcasing to show cool Native talent, cool stuff that's going on online. 
Well, once again, folks, uh, the topic is Indigipop X, the reemergence, and it's uh, at the new First Americans Museum in Oklahoma City. It's been four years. Uh, the last one was halted at the last minute due to the pandemic in the spring of 2020. So it is back again. It reemerges, and we've got Lee Francis the Fourth, the founder of Indigipop X, as well as three other guests who are all uniquely involved in this uh, huge, huge event that's taking place in Oklahoma this week. And anyone who's on their way, if you're traveling, uh, on the road, maybe you're listening to us, give us a call. Tell us what you're excited about and what you're going to do the first thing when you arrive at Indigipop X. Our phone number is 1-800-996-2848. Give us a call. Or if you're just somebody who likes comics, you like superheroes, you're just into that scene, maybe you grew up watching He-Man and inspector gadget i don't know i'm showing my age but if you're just into stuff like that give us a call 1-800-99-NATIVE we'll be right back This Easter, you can find truly unique gifts and menu items from SweetgrassTradingCo.com, a Ho-Chunk Inc. company, where you can choose from a variety of food, beauty, and wellness items from tribes across Turtle Island. Ho-Chunk Inc. supports this show. Support by Ramona Farms, offering wholesome and delicious foods from our heirloom crops as our contribution to a better diet for the benefit of all people. We are honored to share our centuries-old farming and culinary traditions online at RamonaFarms.com. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're celebrating the return of Indigipop X. It's opening tomorrow at the First Americans Museum in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're getting a preview right now. Join our conversation by dialing in at 1-800-996-2848. 1-800-996-2848. Let's get some calls going here. Phone lines are open. 1-800-996-2848. Kristen Gentry is Director of Community Engagement and Outreach for Native Realities. And Kristen, we've been talking about the art, the music, the comics, the films, the food. But, I mean, what goes into the marketing of an event like this to make it successful? Hi. Yes. So um, the marketing is great because Natives are such community-based people. Um, we're going to use that um, to our advantage for our marketing. Um, so all of the people that we, you know, we've selected and um, that are coming out that keep returning every single year um, as they work themselves, they are in this essence like their own product. So um, so that really helps us with marketing, and our community wants to come support that. That's just, that's just who we are. We want to be involved. We want to come have those gatherings. So when IPX went away because of the pandemic, you know, that left a huge um, hole, not just for IPX in our communities, but, like, all art shows, like exhibitions, um, our dances, like, ceremonies, all of that kind of, like, we got halted on that. And so what did we do in that meantime? So a lot of these artists, a lot of these um, designers, they really dug into that. And um, I'm in a unique position. I'm almost, so the, the job title gave me, I'm almost in that position with Native Realities. Right now I'm still, um, I still work for First Americans Museum. Um, so we got to also see um, where our museum opened and it has a very similar like kind of vision with bringing those communities back. So what can we do for those communities during the pandemic? 
Um, and, you know, First Americans Museum did the same thing, you know, supporting our artists through that. And so now we're bringing in a lot of those artists that were already set up and those vendors and designers from IPX, and we brought them right back. Um, you know, we took care of them. That's really important. Like I said, like that community familial part, um, we want to do that. And then we also want everyone to know, um, you know, this is a, a convention for everyone. We want Native and non-Native people to come. We want to be able to um, showcase what we do in Indian country today through our voices. We want to show you ourselves. We want you to come here. We don't just want a seat at the table. We want to create that table and then create the dishes and show you how we make those. So that's kind of, we keep talking about that food demonstration um, with uh, Chef Nico. Uh, she's kind of like our like celebrity chef here in Oklahoma. She was on Chef Versus Wild, um, OC of TV. And she picked a really cool dish that is going to be really popular here in Oklahoma. Um, she's going to be showing um, and storytelling. She has beautiful storytelling um, about foraging and then um, the ancestral like a re relationship with that food. And she's going to be doing wild onions which sounds really basic if you just think of like, oh, it's an onion. But if you look at that, um, that food sovereignty of when um, you can also think of like Indian removal and the foods we ate during that time, like government-based mm -hmm. foods, and we lost those things, um, those traditional foods and our relationship with those foods, our food is medicine. So when people come to that demonstration, they're going to kind of learn all of that too and how we use that to heal ourselves. And we're bringing that through, like, cultural reclamation. I use that word a lot. Um, it's really important to me as we don't just look at all of, yes, all the very terrible things that happened to us. But what are we going to take with those, and what are we doing, those, doing with those things today to bring our cultures back and then thrive? And I think, like, IPX is such a great example of that. You get to see that we are everywhere. We always kind of talk about, like, um, like U.S. history is just a part of Native American history. So if you look at like um, like storytelling itself, that's just inherently part of our culture, and that goes into all pop culture. So across, if people are storytelling through um, their language, how do they incorporate that into video games? I mean, as kids, like we, all of us on the call, like we didn't have like syllabary written, you know, like mm -hmm. Cherokee syllabary or our own language. We didn't see comics in that. We didn't see characters speaking it. We didn't hear that on like mainstream media. We didn't have reservation dogs. We couldn't literally see kids like us on TV. So today we are in like such an amazing like point in history to be able to show this is this is who we are today. We're not just in that past historical um, just West, like Southwestern view. You know, we can showcase all of our like indigenous communities across the country and how we're all different. And then, you know, all the similarities as well. And Kristen, you you raise a good point of just how this this moment this it, I mean it's just a, a phenomenon what's really happening here the growth of just Comic Cons and Digipop X and what about um, just other com indigenous led Comic Cons because I know they also occur in other parts of of the country other Native communities and is that part of uh, the mission of IPX to also inspire other people to pursue this and just to foster this whole culture really is what it is of comic cons and just all the different working elements that we're talking about today. 
Yeah, that definitely aligns with the mission of IPX. Um, we don't want to exclude. We want to include. We want to bring people up with us. We want more people to be successful. We want to, um, more people to be able to live the life that they want to do as a career that they can. Like, you know, everyone has, like, touched on that we can have careers as artists. We can have careers as comic book writers, designers, illustrators. Um, we have Native Realities. We have an indigenous, like, publishing company. Like, there's just so many things that we have right now and that will be showcased here that so many of us didn't and that is just so exciting because like I said earlier we get to show the like everybody that and everybody will be coming we have um, so many different organizations coming out to support us that are non-native and that's also mm -hmm. really important to us to include that part of our community we have the right. 501st Squadron and then the Oklahoma City Ghostbusters um, some of the members will be native, but not all of them. And, you know, we want everyone to know that that's okay. Like when we go to not like, you know, normal comic cons, I won't say normal, but non-native comic cons, um, we go in, um, and I'm, you know, I'm reminded of the story with Roy Boney and like uh, Dr. Francis. And, you know, you go in and you only see like a couple native vendors and everybody else is non-native. Well, we're such a minority there. And this is kind of like the flip. So we still wanted to include people, um, include other community members um so when we go into our fandoms and we look at um something like i personally loved as a child was star race shortcake um and i know <laughs> everyone i know everyone loved her love and if you look back at that that was one of the first cartoons that created um a space for children of color within the like cartoon if you go look you know all different ah. ethnicities yeah, and so we brought in Muriel. She's, you know, right here in Oklahoma, Muriel Farian. She's the original creator. She works some on Care Bears and other as well. And okay. so that's really exciting. And then I, I personally got to work with her. She's very conscious of she doesn't want to do any cultural appropriation. And we work to develop a brand new character. Um, and she'll be uh, launching that tomorrow, actually, when our school kids are here. And she's just um, amazing to work with to do that and just be really, like, conscious of that. So we're excited okay. to have Kristen, that I'm, part. I'm sorry, just, I, you know, we got to move the conversation to go over. We are kind of running low on time, but I just want to ask for folks that can't go to Oklahoma and want to learn more about this event and just everything you folks are doing with Native Realities, where can they go? Um, so in digipopx.com, that'll take you right to that home landing and it'll give you all the information, ticketing, how to get to FAM, all of that information okay. right there. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much. Kristen Gentry, Director of Community Engagement and Outreach for Native Realities. And let's go back to Miranda Dew. Miranda, I want to watch SQ. I mean, favorite Native comic book, movie, superhero? Who's your favorite? Who's my favorite? Um, that's a great question. I I will admittedly say I'm not so much into comics and superheroes, but and in, in just general pop culture, I am a big fan of Willie Jack from Reservation Dogs. I think mm. in some way she's a, a superhero for a lot of us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Really, really talented. I, she was just in that uh, other movie, too, uh, with about the, the Aquasosnes up in New York, which was really powerful. She played a role in that. I can't remember the title offhand. I'll look it up. But anyway, Miranda, I mean, we're talking about um, – you know, just so the importance of Native representation and just making sure the stories are right. And that's one of the overarching themes of all of our shows here on Native America Calling. So can you talk a little bit more about what goes into that with regard to these video games that you work on, the Native stories, the characters? What does it really take to make sure that story and, and those elements are done right? Yeah, I think 
one of the first things is um, when anyone's making any media, you have to ask yourself, is this the right story for me to be telling? Um, I think we get really good authentic stories, authentic characters when we're, um, when we're telling our own stories. So I think a lot of times we see game companies try to put in a native character, but it just comes off wrong or isn't quite, you know, what we want to see as native people. Um, so the first step is, you know, making sure that we're the right people in the room to be telling that story. Um, you know, there's so many different tribes, so it may not necessarily be appropriate for one person from, you know, a southeastern tribe to be telling uh, a northwest Pacific island or northwest island. I'm messing up my words. Just, you know, another geographical tribe. Um, so I think finding the right people to tell those stories, finding the right writers, finding the right artists um, to really align on getting that representation right. Um, I think consultation with uh, tribal members is also really important. Make sure that things are being done in a respectful way, um, that we're telling the stories that they want to tell and they want to include. Um, and of course, you know, I, one thing that I've learned a lot through game development is um, being open to feedback and iterating and changing things. You know, if someone, if, if you make a character and people are saying, hey, this isn't right, you know, it's important for us to listen and to change things and to really respect that relationship we have with one another um, to make sure everything is authentic and respectful. All righty. And the movie I was thinking about, it's, it's called Beans. It was made in 2020 by uh, Mohawk Canadian filmmaker Tracy Deer. And Paulina Alexis is one of the actors in that film. That's what I was mentioning. Lee, how about you? Uh, favorite superhero uh, cosplayer? Oh, that's, I, yeah, it's, I mean, obviously, like, you know, all of my – I'm going to say, like, I'll start with all of my heroes. Are gonna, all of my superheroes are going to be here this weekend. So maybe not all of them, because there's a whole bunch of other amazing folks that are that are going to be around, but or that aren't able to make it. But I grew up uh, very much, uh, you know, as an Iron Man fan. Um, mm. I think I early technology, early technologist, because uh, I I love the idea of technology. I think uh, you know, sort of leading out of that for a native character was Forge in the X Men. Because he was also like he had, you know, techno mutant powers and, you know, the representation, you know, has gotten better. Let's say it's gotten better over the years, uh, you know, but for some reason when I was younger, I was like, oh, I really could dig the fact that like it wasn't a native with like mystical powers. It was a native with like techno powers. I always aligned towards technology. So I was like, well, this is neat. Like he, he manipulates technology and all the rest of that. So I think that just fits into my indigenous futurism. So that's usually my favorite, my favorite standby. Okay. And Tom, did I hear you mention before the show that you've got a big Skeletor medallion from, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's my most recent acquisition. Uh, a friend of mine, um, named Chelsea Herr, who, uh, works, um, for another museum, uh, really wanted to take on the project. And I said, well, I want to be the owner of that fabulous medallion. So yeah, I'm a huge <laughs> masters of the universe fan for sure. Especially the new reiteration, I will say growing up, I was always frustrated as a comic book reader because native representation was so um, fringe and feathers and, you know, cringy name like Warpath. So I, what I love is to see native people finally creating our own characters and telling our own story from our own perspective. I love that that's how we're progressing and, and moving not only just in comic books, but in, you know, all the media out there. Um, but I've always been, been a big Batman fan. 
<laughs> there you go. And Tom, how about local media there in Oklahoma City? Are you folks getting a lot of coverage for the event? Yes, um, I, I love talking to the media. So I've been on TV channels. We've had some uh, newspapers and local publications stop in. There'll be more coverage over the weekend. So we'll be all over the airwaves and all over the social media. So if you're not here, you can get a pretty good idea of it from just following the fam store uh, social media page, uh, Instagram and Facebook. Um, definitely keep your eyes out there. And I'm sure uh, in, in Digipop X will have their own social media going too. Uh, I think Kristen is probably going to be doing both because uh, she's the queen of marketing for the weekend. And what's the spin there? Tom, what do you want uh, people, you know, somebody in Oklahoma City and I turn on the news, local news, and I, I hear about this in Digipop event. Uh, what do I need to know? What do you want people to take away? Well, first of all, I just want people to come to a really good Comic-Con. That's what I mean. I think that's what our primary focus has been is to do the best Comic-Con we can do. And it just so happens to uh, showcase what contemporary Native people are producing. Uh, and aside from that, you know, just like everything else we do here at First American Museum, I really want to present Native people in a contemporary context and to be in control of our own narrative. And I think that's what the best opportunity is here is for this weekend is people can come in and see us telling our own stories, presenting our own cultures in the way we wanted to, whether that be in our exhibits or in the art that we create. That's the story from uh, FAM this weekend. Lee, we've got about a minute before we wrap up. I want to give you the last word. Now, you've been in this game a number of years now. I think the, the first uh, Comic-Con was down at Isleta Pueblo, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm curious, how has your perspective and your approach evolved since that first event you did all those years ago? Uh, just having such a great team around me, I, I can't, I mean, that when, when I first put it together, it was, you know, on a wing and a prayer. I had no idea what it was going to become. I, you know, we had some conversations with some great Native comic artists being like, really need something like this. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And a lot of it was on my shoulders in that, in that first year. And, and the people that have, that have reached out and have joined us has just been so immense. The folks here at FAM and Tom and Kristen and all of the team here has just been uh, so, uh, it, so incredibly generous, um, so just so helpful, so everything across the board to bring this to life. So I can't thank everybody enough. That's my perspective. This brings community together, and, and uh, I am eternally grateful for the chance to do this great work. Build it, and they will come. That's all the time we have for today's show. I would like to say thank you to our guests, Dr. Lee Francis IV, Tom Ferris, Kristen Gentry, and Miranda Dew for a very engaging conversation about Indigipop X. It's basketball tournament season. Join us again tomorrow for a celebration of what every Native sports fan is preoccupied with this time of year. I'm Sean Spruce. Support for this program provided by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium the collective spirit and unifying voice of 37 tribal colleges and universities. For over 45 years, AHEC has worked to ensure that tribal sovereignty is recognized and respected and that tribal colleges and universities are included in this nation's higher education system. Information on a tribal college or university near you at AIHEC.org. If you are age 45 years or older, it may be time to talk with a healthcare professional about colon cancer screening. Medicare, Medicaid, and the marketplace have you covered. 
For more information, visit healthcare.gov or call 800-318-2596. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.